Hi there. This is Dr. O, the host of Race, Health, and Happiness. Welcome to our special news series, RHH On Campus, where we are showcasing the talents of our student interns. We have a special three-part series on COVID-19 hosted by TMU student Xavier Oshinowo. He is interviewing members of the Black Scientist Task Force on Vaccine Equity. Each of these episodes focuses on one of three topics, which are the impact of COVID-19 in Black communities, community distrust, and the condition known as long COVID. Let's take a listen. Hi, my name is Xavier Oshino, and in this episode of RHH on Campus, I speak to Dr. Candace Todd, who is a naturopathic doctor with expertise in disease prevention and health promotion. She completed her Honors Bachelor of Health Sciences at the University of Western. Dr. Todd is also a graduate of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, earning her Doctor of Naturopathic Medicine diploma. Her work focuses on evidence-based naturopathic medical care that prioritizes root causes of health concerns. Dr. Todd is a member of the Black Scientist Task Force on Vaccine Equity, a multidisciplinary team of Black experts created to share information about COVID-19 and vaccines with the Black Toronto communities and address their concerns. For this episode, Dr. Todd and I will discuss the impact of COVID-19 in Black communities. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. How impactful has COVID been on the Black community? And specifically, could you speak to the economic costs and the human costs? We all know that COVID has COVID-19 itself has had huge impacts with respect to infection and hospitalization and death in the black community, but Along with that, the pandemic as a social phenomenon in itself has cost has costed the community a great deal with respect right. to death again. So there has been a lot of human loss in the, the community. Uh, you know, it's been twofold, at least. Uh, we've experienced death at rates that are at least two times greater than our white counterparts. We've also, because of the types of jobs that many Black and marginalized communities, we've experienced a lot of uh, job loss. So there has just been precarious employment uh, in this community. So unstable uh, job conditions. We've also, um, you know, because of the types of jobs we do, have been at a greater uh, susceptibility to getting COVID. And because of that, have had lost wages, have had to take time off of work due to illness, and have had lost income in that way as well. Right, right. And one of the one of the kind of like drawbacks from from all this, and personally that I've noticed with myself, like mental health is a big thing. I I have my mental health throughout the pandemic was not the best. Um, you know, always being inside and whatnot. So how, in your opinion, how much has COVID affected like the black community with in regards to physical mental health, as well as their employment? So the impact of mental health is huge. And it's it's sort of across the board. And it is related to, again, those losses in it's integrated in all of those types of losses. So again, I think the four sort of major types of losses that we can think about are one death, again, human loss, also job loss and loss of income, but also loss of community has been a big one in the Black community, as well as what I'm going to call loss of structure or loss of routine. You know, we haven't had regular routines. So all of those 
losses impact our mental health in a in a huge way. So again, human loss, there is like less access to, because of stigma, because of cultural things, access to coping strategies and sort of help from therapy and things like that. We've also had, right. you know, just more stress due to, again, having to, you know, look for employment or try to put food on the table. So huge impacts were related mm-hmm. to stress across the board. Again, with that loss of routine, for example, and loss of community, our way of you know, finding joy and finding, you know, relieving stress was to commune and to be around people. Right. Yeah. Especially family, friends. And there was really none of that. There was none of that. For for a long, a long time. It was mainly like everything was on the computer. Zoom, too much Zoom. I'm so so done with Zoom. (laughs) You know, in some ways it was great. You know, you could just sort of roll out of bed and then, you know, get to a meeting. That that was that was basically me for like a year. Just at ten, hop out of bed, go into class at ten, and then at like the the break for fifty minutes, go get my breakfast, come back, and then just keep going every day. Exactly. But, you know, those things actually take a toll on your internal Mm -hmm. stress mechanism. So, uh, again, that's, you know, what I'm calling sort of loss of routine or loss of structure. Uh, It is healthy for us to go to bed at a certain time and wake up at a certain time. Our body likes that sort of routine or just, you know, it likes to just do the same thing every Mm -hmm. day, essentially. You know, when it's out of that routine, those will have, there will be increases in things like cortisol or stress hormone that can have internal impacts on your body. So it is, you know, it's not always the sort of like mental aspects that we think of. There's actually physiological things happening in us that can, uh, can impact stress overall. So, uh, you know, I know it was easy sometimes, but we often lost that uh mm-hmm. routine and right. that structure right and i know that the economic part is a major a major major thing and i know a lot of people lost jobs especially in low income jobs like fast food restaurants for example retail and you're saying like how a lot of the minority groups were enlisted in these jobs is the impact from covid that big on the social social economic disadvantage that, that this community has Absolutely. So there was a disadvantage before COVID and now it is exacerbated in a sense. So, you know, where we where we were having low income jobs before the pandemic and on the front lines and in more sort of risky environments before the the pandemic, the pandemic itself heightened that and, you know, sort of pushed it over the edge to job loss and less job security. And then that, you know, sort of equates equates to things like food insecurity. So I'd say that the pandemic definitely exacerbated things on an economic level. Right, right. It's just, I feel like it's it's kind of hard for people to to get the help they need if they're not making the money you know, to to actually afford those things. What do you think are some strategies that the black communities can use to mitigate or overcome these? Yeah. So one of those things that we can uh, do is share our stories. So I think that, again, when we're we're talking about uh, loss and and 
you know, the idea of isolation in the pandemic. We haven't had time to gather and like share our stories and create sort of stories of empowerment and hope. Like there was a lot of hopelessness in that isolation. So coming together again is is going to be at the core for, I believe, the Black community. So reaching out to your friends, your family members, community leaders, spiritual leaders, if you have that, and really just communing again. That is, I'd say, at the core of sort of Black culture and how we thrive as a community. There are a number of resources that can be accessed as well. So there are a number of community resources that can be accessed, but I think that sometimes uh, they're not presented in a culturally sensitive way. So me being part of the Black Mm -hmm. Scientist Task Force, we are working to present resources in a more culturally sensitive way, a way where you could see that this is being offered by someone that looks like me and the uptake will will likely increase because of that. Mm -hmm. And... Are there any resources currently, you know, like maybe downtown Toronto that you think that would really help or enlighten, um, you know, black folk in the mm-hmm. community? So economic resources specifically? Oh, uh, any any resources like health resources, economic resources. Yeah, just things to kind of uplift everybody. You know? Yeah. So I'd say uh, make connections, you know, just on a sort of accessible level, things that everyone can access, your local community health centers, places like Taibu, for example, which are Black-focused, supports when it comes to health, social work, therapy as well. So uh, take advantage of the community health uh, centers that are set up already in your communities. And, you know, the resources are are there. It's just about sort of seeking them out sometimes or just having the knowledge to know that they're there. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And the last question, this is kind of a bit related to, I guess, the mistrust in healthcare is what is the impact on Black communities with the lack of representation of among mental health professionals like you know I, I i've noticed there's and this is something i talked to like dr allen about is like there's there's not enough right and i feel like people are kind of scared to go and to talk to people uh, about their health because there's not enough representation absolutely that is uh, as a naturopathic doctor i hear all the time that i don't have a medical doctor i don't have like a family doctor so one there is an issue of being under resourced uh, across the globe but then there is that other problem where people want to seek care from people that look like them and that have shared lived experiences and you're right it is underserviced and there is that is definitely lacking especially in the black community i don't even have a a great answer for that in terms of how can this be resolved the the answer would be to you know sort of prioritize more black more black students uh, in uh, positions where they can become doctors and foster that. Uh, but again, for example, Taibu is again a black centered uh, community health center with uh, healthcare, pra- uh, sorry, nurse practitioners and medical doctors that look like the black community uh, that can serve them. So they're definitely huge gaps that need to be overcome in that area. And I'd say, you know, we're, we're working on it. It's being worked on, but definitely 
a major gap. Mm -hmm. And now you said you mentioned you study naturopathic medicines. What is the difference between what you just mentioned and like traditional? Yeah, so the differences between naturopathic medicine and conventional medicine. So the, the major difference is that we treat your health concerns naturally. Essentially, we are using things like herbal products, supplements. The foundation is going to be nutrient-dense food, movement, exercise, stress management, and things like that, which, you know, are sort of home to the black community it's it's like when we get sick for example you know we're always looking for that herbal concoction that's going to help us that's sort of the first like yeah, yeah whatever grandma like, gives you at home you know sense, right <laughs> and that's that's a very afro-caribbean experience so the difference is that the di difference i'd say is the lens of treatment in terms of how we treat and the modalities that we treat with and then we're also looking at root cause medicine so naturopaths are looking for the root cause of what's ailing you so that we can to treat that and that'll have sort of a an overall trickle-down effect on your overall health so it's it's sort of like systemic racism we know that that's the root of the issue but sometimes it's it's hard to get there. So we do what we can to work on the problem, create a greater resolution. Right. And, you know, it's, it did it seem isolated as a black, like just like a black person in healthcare, let alone just being a black woman in, in healthcare? Absolutely. Uh, so in school, for example, uh, you know, it was always, I was maybe one of two or one, you know, sometimes it was just one of one <laughs> in it was it's very so naturopathy as um, a profession is actually very uh, female dominant, but it is white female dominant. So definitely did have some difficulty finding my voice in that in education, for example. So, you know, it was always a sort of like a little bit of imposter syndrome uh, kicking in, not feeling like you wanted to represent black people in a negative way. So I always sort of quieted myself down and would always just listen. I wouldn't ask questions, which, you know, in hindsight is, you know, not the way to do things if you want to sort of thrive in a profession. So yeah, I'd say that it is, it's always been difficult being that one of one or one of two. Right. And I guess that adds to your kind of personal journey through your, your role, which is pretty, pretty cool. I know from experience, being the only black tennis player at my old academy out of like, yeah. I'd say there was like yeah. 80 people. I was the only one, it's also, <laughs> which is, it's which is also crazy. important, right? To have that representation and to pave that way, because you know that your struggles will influence someone in your community to say that, Hey, I can do it too. Right. Exactly. And lastly, any advice for students who are looking to get into the role you are in now? Yeah. So definitely a similar journey as a, as medicine in terms of your undergrad to be sort of science focused or science focused actually. There are a number of core courses that you need. You need a undergraduate degree and then you can apply to the naturopathic college. So there's one in Ontario and then there is another one in Vancouver. So those those are the only two in Canada. And then there are a few in the States as well. Well I appreciate you coming in and speaking with me today. It's been awesome. Um so yeah. Thanks so much.